0: It's Nahu who Mikey P Mike Purbozi uh, giving you first over with Edison Hatter without Edison Hatter once again, and special different kind of show this week. Uh, we have one of the drivers up from Woodbine Mohawk park, uh, Mr. Tyler Jones with us, and he's going to spend a little time, uh, give us a segment. And we also have, uh, one of my favorite horse players. One of the guys that I really know he's, he's, uh, Editor for Trot Magazine up in Canada, uh, John Rollis. Welcome, guys. Pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yeah.
0: Um. So we're going to talk mostly about Saturday night. Uh, this Saturday, Woodbine Mohawk Park. We have a um, pick five carryover, like pick five, one hundred thousand dollars guaranteed pool. We'll talk about that, but mostly we want to talk to Tyler right now. And uh, kind of, you know, just, just uh, have him talk about a few horses, have him talk about himself a little bit, and, uh, you know, give us an idea of what it's like to be driving up at Mohawk at such a young age. How, how old are you there, Tyler? Well,
1: I'm not that
0: young. I'm 29 right now. Oh, 29. I, well, a lot younger than me, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, how does it feel like being in that room, I know you've been there for a couple years now, but do you feel like you feel like you've settled in? Do you feel like one of the guys now, like maybe this isn't something that's that's really new to you anymore, that that you're just one of the main guys?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess in a sense. Uh, I mean I, my dad's been in the business for forever, right? So when I started working for him when I was a teenager. You know, I'd I'd come across the Jody Jameson's and the Randy Waples and the Rick Zerons that were big names at that time when I was, so that was like, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago or whatever, when they were in their primes and sort of just came across them knew them from, from back when I was just starting out being a, a groom, helping my dad when I could. And, uh, from, from that, you know, I just grew, grew up with with them in a sense. And then uh, when I was playing hockey uh, in my late, late teens and early twenties or whatever, they, they had a, a hockey team and I sort of jumped in on, on board with them and sort of got to know them a lot better personally that way, like Jody and James and Doug McNair. So I, I, I feel like it was a better transition just to know them personally than it was to actually know everybody through the driver's room. But, now that now that I've I've been participating, like you said, at Mohawk Park for the last year and a half, well, I I, see, I feel like that transition was just maybe a lot easier for me.
0: You feel like it's a tough circuit to crack. I mean, it's because this is you know the the top end. This is the top level, I think, in, in Canada, and and it's. I think it's difficult to start at that top level and to be able to succeed. Whereas, you know, you could go other places. You could you could drive at the B tracks. You could kind of build yourself up that way. But that's not really what you're doing.
1: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I had sort of a expedited process. That's for sure. Uh, like like I said, like with, if it wasn't for my father, then there's there's no way I would have cracked into the circuit. I think that everybody knows that. I know that myself. Uh, I started driving. Full time like a year and a half ago and I think just the fact that well like two summers ago I was racing at Kawartha and a little bit of Grand River a little bit here a little bit there and every now and then I'd, I'd be able to jump on one of my dad's horses when when I had the opportunity and uh, then what really propelled my career was making the move to Pompano last winter uh, I went down to Florida to help train young horses with my father and uh i I started out with one one drive and one connection at Pompano, and it sort of like quickly snowballed from there and that's sort of where i where I say i got my my big education in horse racing was that winter I spent with my father and then racing against all these legends at at Pompano and just seeing how they acted or whatever and how they managed uh either horses or managed how they approached people and how they approach the game and I was able to see that from Wally Hennessy and David Miller and uh, everybody that was there Rick Plano and stuff like that the amazing horsemen and amazing people and I just sort of like it opened my eyes to things, and, and when I came back in the in the springtime in May with my father I just sort of like took the the momentum and the experience that I learned from Pompano and just hopped in on his horses and we had a great summer and it's sort of just the momentum's keeping keeping right on right
0: now which is fantastic for me wow I, your progression over just a very short period of time has been uh, very very uh, just uh, unbelievable almost it's just it's almost like you're a natural to to be only a year and a half in and and to be at that top circuit and, and really given every horse that you, you drive a chance to win and believe me as gamblers i know john can attest to this too and maybe he can pick it up off of this but uh, you know to for we know who's good who's bad who's and i'm sure everybody you guys know too but you know we we know who we want to put our money on we know we know the guys that are giving us chances to win and uh you you've definitely ascended into that and in, very quickly i think
1: well a, I, I think it's just my desire to win like I, i'm an ultra competitive person i grew up in a very competitive household and it's just it's transferred into harness racing like i, I i just want to win so i i give the horse the best opportunity you, you, either you know sometimes i know i i have a chance to be like top three or hit the board and i drive the, the horse according to that and sometimes you know you're fighting for a fourth or a fifth or a, even if you get a sixth and the horse race is good you're like well he gave me all he could but you sort of just got to race the horse for what he's worth and hope for the best
2: yeah, and you know what to touch up on that mike uh I mean, you could tell the desire that Tyler Jones has, and I've, uh, that Tyler has, and I've told him this uh, in the conversation we had. It was after the fourth race on December eighth. I was actually in the paddock doing some associate editor work for Trot. We were doing a piece on uh, caretakers, and I was just walking around looking for caretakers to to interview. And I saw Tyler right after race four. He went right up to the screen and he was watching the drive intently. You know, so, I mean, there's guys who maybe look at it, uh, watch replays afterwards or through the week of the card, but. He, he really thought that Sirius Mojo could get a, a big piece of it I thought he was a big contender that night and, and you could see was just watching to see what happened I think he got steppy on that final turn Tyler if I'm not mistaken a bit in you ran, and, and you got him up for, for third but I really thought he was in a good spot to win um I mean at the three-quarter pull I thought he would have been a winner and I thought before that night he would have been but you were just watching what caught my is you watching to see what you could have done better in my estimation is what you were looking at because for me that just goes to show that you really do want to be great at this game and you're looking at every single thing and what you can do in, to get better you're evaluating yourself and your drives and and what the horse could have done or maybe what happened in the race.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like that's something again that I learned from from Pompano a little bit looking at Wally Hennessy. He used to do that all the time and he he just like that was a guy that was super aware and super dialed into to every horse that was on the grounds and it's just something that you know it's it's something that you need to do it's something that i've heard about Tim Trick as well you know he, he lived, the guy's an encyclopedia of horses and he just knows everybody and every every horse and every little detail about them and maybe i won't get to that level you know of being i don't maybe don't have the greatest memory but it's just something that you know you you got to be dialed in and you got to you got to know every every little detail cuz every little advantage every little inch that you can gain on the racetrack is Sometimes it's, you know, enough to get you up for a nose.
2: Yep. Those and, are great
0: guys to emulate too. Absolutely.
2: Right. So what was that, your first drive then at Mohawk? Was that, was, was your first ever drive, it was in a Harvest Series, uh, first leg of the Harvest Series with uh, your dad's uh, horse, Rousseau, right?
1: Yep, correct. Yep.
2: It was third that was place. First, finish.
1: Yeah. I was first over, I think. Probably not the best. Best trip, but it was a lot of fun.
2: So, what was that like for you, just in that? Were, were was there nerves being your first drive in uh, at Mo, Woodbine Mohawk Park? Was there nerves, or were you confident in um, your ability? Or what, what was it like that night going into it, right behind the starting uh, gate?
1: I was just, uh, I, I guess you could say, starstruck a little bit. You know, like that was like one of the. Well, obviously, my first race at Mohawk. You see the big grandstand, the, f- the flashing lights, and uh, everybody's competing, and it's just like gives
2: you gives you quite a thrill and now there was a piece on it um i mean woodbine mohawk park they did a piece on you driven to succeed and i just wanted to kind of touch on that like what's it like when did you realize that you wanted to do this uh full-time was this something as a teenager you've been around horses your entire life did you know you wanted to be a driver as a teenager or was this something that just uh, your passion and development and desire to uh, to do this just became stronger uh, as you got older
1: so w- when when i was a kid i grew up obviously on i grew up in in a small town called richmond quebec which was where my my dad had a his his harness racing base in montreal so he had a, a 50 horse uh, stable of a 55 acre farm and uh that's sort of where i grew up and i just sort of grew up riding my bike around the farm and annoying all the the grooms and everybody that worked for my my dad just <laughs> being a being a little you know little kid in the the barn just finding my way around but then you know when I got into my early teens or whatever I was I I could tell you right now I had absolutely no interest to to be in the business I was more worried about hanging out with my friends or playing hockey I played a lot of hockey a lot of summer camps and stuff like that and so just because I grew up around it I was like well it's just it didn't seem like anything and because of how my dad was the, the location of the farm was maybe like an hour and a half away from Montreal. So I never really went to the racetrack other than like big, big events like the pre-detay or stuff like that back in the day or like the super finals or whatnot with like, I, I could go with like my mom and my sister, but there's never like something that really like opened my eyes to anything. And then when I was a teenager, all I wanted to do was play hockey and hang out with my friends. And then I worked a couple summers for my dad when he was, sort of had a base in Ontario and Quebec and I came up to Ontario and helped him out. And even then, like when I was like 16, 17, 18, I I didn't really have that much of a care for it. And then sort of, I went to university or did my schooling and worked on the weekends. And then eventually I sort of got my qualifying license. And then I was like, well, that's kind of fun. And then I was like, well, maybe one day I can drive in a race or something like that. And then a couple of years, a year later or whatever, I drove in a few races that for some of my dad's horses and did okay at it. And then sort of just did that for a couple of years. And then I went back to Quebec because I was done my degree in criminology. So I, I used that and I went back to Montreal and I worked in social services for it was about four and a half, five years. And I, but then at the time I was sort of like racing at three rivers on the weekends and then just doing it as a hobby or whatever. And, uh, then I won a, a Cyrus Stakes final in Quebec, and I was like, well, oh, frig, that was kind of pretty cool. And then, so then the next the next year I raced at Three Rivers in Rideau, and then it sort of seemed like I liked it a little more, and then sort of COVID happened, and I was like, oh, man, like, I didn't know if I was, I, I really liked the what I was doing, and if I was able to do it, like, throughout COVID, it was pretty challenging stuff, so I sort of was drawn more to, to harness racing and, and racing at Rito, And it just seemed like I was, every week I was doing a little better. Every week I had a little more, a little more power to drive. It seemed like I was starting to make more connections and then I sort of just got involved in that. And, uh, eventually I just, I had a big conversation with my parents and said, uh, you know, like at, at 27 or 28 at the time, I was like, well, if I, if I don't jump in now and do it full-time now, you know, it's not at, Fifty when I retire from social social services, that I'm going to be able to do this. So, sort of took advantage of my just the circumstances, and it just sort of snowballed from there.
2: And they were completely supportive with the decision, like right when you presented it to them.
1: Well, if you know my father, he's a pretty uh, he's a pretty passionate passionate guy about harness racing. I mean, he's that's his whole world. So the fact that his son wants to follow in his footsteps, I think that. That was a pretty, pretty easy uh, transition to support me in that. And then my mother, she was always a, she was a, a nurse for a long time. And, uh, she always pushed me to go to school and, and so did my father in, in that respect. But then when, when I told them that they, that I wanted to come back in harness racing, it was just like, it was without a question. It was just like, well, let's go then. And I it, love it. I yeah, love it. Yep. Yeah. Well let's talk
0: about we're talking about the past let's talk about now because uh your your big horse right now uh and johnny was talking about this before we came on is uh no control Uh, that that seems to be uh, a horse that's uh, has quite the future and uh what can you tell us about that one
1: uh i can tell you, he's pretty nice (laughs) uh he's uh i so tan the caliph is uh he's the blacksmith in uh in for mohawk so he when guys lose a shoe or whatever at Mohawk he helps and he blacksmith there and he also is an associate paddock judge uh, so when the, the Dave the paddock judge is in there he fills in or does the schoolers and the qualifiers so sort of a guy that I, I got to know just through through being around the races and being at the qualifiers like you know I starting out as well like I go see him before the qualifiers and say you know if anybody needs me just let, let me know I'm here I'm, I'm available and he was always very, very nice to me and encouraged me and encouraged my name to other, other trainers. And then when, one, one day I just showed up and he's like, Oh, I got a, I got a horse to school. You mind going with him? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Absolutely. And uh, so I, I trained him and I thought, I was like, Oh man, he's not bad. And then I, then I went out and schooled him and kind of, I was like, Oh, okay. And he's got, he's got a little talent. And then the next week we, uh, we qualified him and he qualified. I, I cut the mile with him and i was like oh man that was that was pretty sweet he's, he's like strong through the wire everything and then, and then you know like i'm sure you guys watched the the three races that he was uh-huh. in, uh, and like it was i wanted him i wanted uh, the owners to maybe stop him after his second start and they were like "Well, do you think he needs a little more education and then we sort of had that discussion and we they decided they wanted to race him one more time and i, I think it was a good decision i think with the schooler and the qualifier, the first couple starts, I thought he, I thought he had a pretty good base to shut him down and, and start him up for the spring. But I mean, I'm pretty glad that we did that last start because he, he showed me there that, and I think he showed everybody that he's he's, uh, you know, he's a pretty quality
2: racehorse. Is is this somebody that's going to be heavily staked going into next year? Do you think? Uh,
1: well, I, I was that's looking true. at uh, his track there. I've looked at it before, and I think he's he doesn't have much uh staking just you know he was a nine thousand dollar yearling and i uh, i think they bought him from off uh somebody else i think i'm I'm not sure who who owned him from the sale but they bought they bought him for nine thousand at at harrisburg i believe so you know it's not like you know nine thousand dollar yearling you don't really think about staking him all that much and then you know he was a super late late starter he started racing in december so I don't think they had him staked up to very many things. I think he's mostly only OSS and maybe a couple of stakes at Mohawk. But, you know, he, as a three-year-old, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say that now because he just went 53 and in late December. It's not – I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to judge. But if ever, you know, he, he shows he's got a lot of talent come springtime and he's able to compete against some bigger names in, in the three-year-old class, then it might be – you know, th- there's a lot of supplemental races at at yep. three years old too. If that's ever something that the owners decide they want to try,
0: and hopefully you can keep that drive because uh, you know that that horse is is definitely going places for sure.
1: Um Well, he, he yeah, I think I think he's it, it's hard to it's hard to judge. Like I'm, I'm very apprehensive about it because I don't want to like get too far ahead. But you know, fifty three in December is a pretty good mile very, and. Uh, but it's just like you—you you don't know who he's competing against. Like it's—it's mm-hmm. it's tough to say because these are also all late bloomers or whatever. You know, when when he's got to go up against like Ace of Aces or Stockade sealster or something like that if in the Golds next year, if he makes it that far, you know, that's that's going to be the real challenge. Yeah. Yep.
0: Wow, well, those horses got to make it there too. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, so for sure, for sure.
2: said uh. Do you want to start on a little bit of um, the, actually there's a drive that I want, uh, this horse I want to talk to you about too recently is Backstreet Gambler. So you, you obviously couldn't um, drive the horse last week because you were driving your father. So tell us a little bit about uh, that one. He's, he's actually shown some goals last couple starts and he was an impressive winner on Saturday night as well, uh, fighting off a couple outside contenders too.
1: Yeah, he's uh he's, I think he's well, he's a four-year-old, and he's uh, I think, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that he's a half brother to Backstreet Shadow, and uh, so he's super, really like super well bred. And this is a horse that the Millar Farms own, and they just took their 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 time with a horse that they thought had a lot of potential. Because at at two or three, maybe he he. I don't think he. I don't think he showed much, and even if he did show anything, I think it was some bad lines. So it's a horse that they that Mike Bishop. Took took the the reins on and he asked me one day to if he if I could uh, train a horse with him and so we, there was that Silk Road Smash and and this guy and he asked me to go with that with Backstreet Gambler at uh, Classy Lane in Ontario the training center mm-hmm. so we trained him and you know it was just we we went a, a mile in I don't know fifty nine or two minutes or something like that and he was, I was just like well he well, we trained good whatever I don't know anything more about this horse and then. We, uh, we schooled him, I think, once or twice, and I schooled him both times, and then we qualified him. It just seemed like every every time I sat behind him, he just gained a little confidence, and he gained a little strength, and uh, it just showed a, like, a great progression. And then this first start for me, we just took care of him, and he closed up like 26 or something and finished third, and I thought, man, this is this guy's gonna be all right, and then then we had those two wins with nice pocket pocket trips behind with some nice horses to follow, and he, he exploded off that cover, and then I and then he got the same trip again, and you know it, my, Mike Bishop and I we, we were sort of a little disappointed that we couldn't get the hat trick together, but you know it's just part of being a catch driver. You got to show loyalty to to some people and try to respect every everybody's intentions and goals and you know it's hard to say no to my father as well you know he's, we've got a lot of horses and the owner of uh petty poo he's got a lot of horses uh, that we take care of as well so you know we gotta show a little royal loyalty and respect part of me
0: i said you have to stick to the home team sometimes yeah, and that's exactly. the way it is sometimes
1: you, gotta, yeah. sometimes you gotta play for the home team even though it you know i have to give up that win but it is you know i'm, I'm pretty proud that we got that horse to where he is now and you know i I wish him all the best just back in to go on
0: saturday also but yeah
1: but yeah so so to answer your question again like he's just he's a super little sweet horse he's got a really nice gait and he's got uh he's got some fight in him and he he wants to
2: race just touching up on him i've noticed in his like when he uh in a couple wins he's he's gotten pulled out just at the three quarter before the stretch drive from the tool. Is it is it something that he just likes to be taken out and given a chance a bit earlier or does he like to be, cause I've noticed he's been taken out just at the three quarter. Yeah, pull-
1: I think it, I think it, the the two races, that, or the two races that I was able to do that with him is just like a matter of circumstance. You don't want to be, you know, you know, he's a good horse and you don't want to get locked in yeah, and, yeah. and end up freaking crawling over people and then making your, yourself and the horse look bad or something happen step on a wheel or a shoe or something like that so better to a good horse like that you know he's going to get you to the wire so even if you get him out a little early it's not a big deal
2: yeah yeah that's just and again that's just the circumstances of of uh, harness racing so many guys pick up a couple uh, quality drives and lose it due to circumstances right i mean i'm sure mm-hmm. i'm sure that everybody knows which horse has more talent or there's just so, so many circumstances the drives whether you're committing long term um, whether it's a loyalty thing whether mm-hmm. there's so many factors when you're when you're deciding on which horse you're gonna take, when um when you have to finalize the entries, and I'm sure you obviously know you're gonna you're gonna stick with your father's horse, obviously because at the at the end of the day he's the one who helped get you here as well, and it is family related, his family, and it's just a horse that you've been familiar with your entire career too in Pettipoo, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, hit, it right the, the hit it right on the head. Yep
0: looking at Saturday you got several drives on Saturday one, one horse I do want to ask you about because um, it's a horse that that's kind of dropping it's the third race at rockin and talking uh, one of the best drives I think that I've've I've seen you drive December the 10th whenever he won uh, that was uh, quite the trip from the nine hole and he's been forced to step up since then he gets to drop back this week what do you think of him this week
1: uh, he's a he's an absolute gentleman I love that horse he's- he gives you everything he's got he can you know he, he takes care of himself and he knows when he, he knows when he's a little too high in class as well and you just sort of take care of him you know it's the the other night we were racing in the honors of twenty eight thousand or whatever and it was like desperate man and no free lunch and all these open horses and my poor little rocking and talking i mean, can't quite compete with those guys even though he's a he, he, like you he can but you you know you've you know you got to protect the horse every now and then and you can't really, especially when you're 50 to one or something like that, you know, you just take your time. And this week he drops down. So we got the rail. We got a nicer position than the outside last week. So definitely, definitely a horse that we can get into play early that that likes to get into play early. And, you know, you know that when you when the, the, the money's on the line and you could, you're you getting close to the seven, eight pole, he grabs the line just pretty tight and he's ready to rock.
2: Yeah, that's a cool horse. Yeah, he always uh Tyler always gets him in a good spot whenever he's in a whenever he's in a suitable class, but even even two starts back he uh, was a pretty good I mean a pretty good second to get him up there against some quality horses as well. He uh, like I
1: said, he, he he he's not a very big horse, but he doesn't know that and he he just loves to race, he loves to go fast and when you put him in position and get him get him in, interested early, he'll he'll uh, he'll reward you so yeah, that's, that's totally. the way He likes that's the way he likes the race, and that's that's the way I like the race. So it's a good little match.
2: He loves that non-winners of six thousand class, eh, Tyler? Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, you got Jet Rock also race five. Uh, he'll be part of the early pick five this weekend, and you picked up this drive last time. And this horse has had some issues, uh, you know, since he's arrived. He had broken equipment uh, on the thirty first. And then it got refunded there. And then last week, it just didn't seem like he was necessarily himself. He's, he should be able to go with these horses.
2: Tyler Tyler knows this one well from the Pompano days too, yeah. don't you, Tyler?
1: Absolutely, yeah. This is a little horse. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he still has my uh, my lifetime win mark, like speed badge. Uh, 50 and 3, I think I won with him at Pompano in like a Open 2 class. And uh, that was like – he was like pretty much the nicest horse I drove at Pompano. And then I, I won that race there in, in 50 and – three or 15, four. Yeah, 15, and then, four. yeah. And then unfortunately he got into this like a, a injury and they, they had to give him some time off. And then he, ca- he came back and this is just, a, just a, another horse like rocking and talking. usually when you get him interested early, he, he gives you all he's got. And uh, last week from the, I think I, I had the two hole and I sort of just, I, I, we fired off the eight, but we just couldn't get, couldn't get around the one and, A couple of the outside horses left so we ended up being fourth and then uh the horse james was driving uh uh st lad's cash or something like that he went a huge mile yeah he won yeah and like i thought based off the fractions i knew this horse like like you said i know this horse from from pompano and when i got him out on the outside he sort of just he didn't really like going around that last turn he got a little crooked on me and it was hard to get him keep that momentum going. And I thought the race would kind of come back to me off those fractions and it never did. And it was just unfortunate circumstance for that, for that race, but definitely, definitely a horse. I, I, am pretty fond of. Uh-huh.
2: And you know what, now that now, it's not related to, to Saturday, but now that we've had you on another horse that I wanted to talk about, because you actually qualified him um, this year when he came over to uh, Ontario it was uh, a horse that I think has got big ability and I've really been impressed with his last two efforts is, uh, and you actually raced him, Pretty well at forty-eight to one is Emmett's buddy. Tell us a little bit about what you think of of that one. What you thought about sitting behind him in the qualifier. I know he ran in his first start um, with yeah. you, and he bounced back and kicked home in twenty-seven and one, a uh, third beaten four lengths. Um, but uh, and then you didn't get to drive the the week after. But he's been he's been really impressive, and I think that this horse has a uh, quite a bit of ability. Tell us tell us what you think about this one and how what it was like sitting behind him for the first time in the morning prep.
1: Uh, I tell you, the first time I drove him, I wasn't very. <laughs> Very, very, uh, very, I don't know, Not, I'm not impressed isn't the right word, but it, I was a little, like, concerned. Just, uh, to, you know, he just, like, seemed like he was extremely aggressive off the gate, and he wasn't comfortable. And uh, he made a break, and it was, like, not a very nice break. And I was like, oh, boy, this is, uh, is going to be a bit of a challenge, or he's a bit of a project. But I give I give a lot of credit to his trainer, uh, Mike. He, uh, he's done a great job with him. Because he was, uh, when he got him, he was, he was a little concerned himself. And he, he always thought that he had a little talent, but he was like, man, I can't get this guy to like, pace smooth. And he had some issues. And we sort of worked, worked together off the uh, schooler at a qualifier. And the first couple starts, we sort of tinkered with the equipment. And he did, I, I give all the credit to him, And He did, he did a hell of a job because that horse turned it around pretty quick. And then in a matter of, what, like five starts, now he's back to back winner in some very decent miles. He always had that light kick in the stretch, but it was really hard to get him around the first turn. And the last turn, he sort of like, just couldn't pace like the, in a comfortable manner. And it, it costed him like a lot of money just for making breaks and stuff like that. But he always could come home like 27, 26, like no, no problem. And now he's just, he's figured it out. And he's used to a horse that sort of like panicked and, and didn't, didn't know what was going on and he panicked and then he would make breaks. And now he's like getting used to the circuit, getting used to the track, probably getting used to his new trainer and uh, everything's sort of like unfolding for him right now. And you're seeing that his potential's
2: coming out. Yeah. You were, I mean, you were a good second to him. I mean, against Camara moment and the week after you were listed on the drive as well. Right. But you went with Backstreet Gambler or. Yeah. So I was yeah. listed
1: on Backstreet Gambler and Emmett. And uh, I, I decided to go with uh, with Backstreet Gambler, which another another sort of un, you know a, a circumstance that I was kind of like unpleasant for me as a catch driver. I was like, man, these are two nice horses. I don't know, didn't know which one to pick. And then Emmett's buddy ended up winning that race, and that was the race yeah. that Baxter Gambler was third. Yeah, but you know it's just the way she goes
2: that's a that's a great problem to have having to choose between two quality uh racehorses and two quality drives though. and it just goes to show about the progression that you're making as a driver and the trust that you're getting from um, connections as well yeah exactly well we probably won't keep,
0: keep you any longer here tyler but you know up and coming Uh, keep doing what you're doing 100 over 100 wins last year over a million bucks i know you you had that interview with monique the other day and and Mm -hmm. you know she was talking like you're going to double that this year i could see it very easily uh you know you're you're one of my favorite drivers now and uh i i know you're always going to give us a chance so we appreciate you having you and hopefully we can get you again soon
1: absolutely anytime thanks for having me
0: all right. Our thanks to Tyler Jones. A uh, very interesting interview there. I thought uh, some insight into just his his backstory, and and then like the here and now, and then some of the horses that he's you know kind of driving that are the horses that are going to be probably his some of his better horses coming up for this year. Uh, we're going to move on to the early pick five for Saturday night. Now this is Saturday night, January fourteenth, hundred thousand dollar guaranteed early pick five. As always, you can get programs on woodbine.com backslash mohawk. And there's a, a big link for free programs. And uh, the programs are, are great. And I love the free programs. I, I use them pretty much all the time. So and then you get uh, you get with those programs, full Horseplayer Journal, Robert Reed Jr. Always very valuable information. Uh, you can catch other write-ups uh, from Garnet barnsdale on DRF Harness. These are things that I use. I know that John looks at these things. And, uh, you want to prepare yourself for these tickets. You have to kind of build these tickets because they, they can be difficult, but it's worth it whenever you can cash. So we're going to start in race number one, and that is a five-year-olds and younger winners of two, but not more than five or 45,000 life. And these are good races Purses 21,000. This early pick five is pretty good. John, who'd you go with in the first race? There's a, you get a single here.
2: Yeah, I think I'm gonna go stick with uh, gonna single Backstreet Gambler. I mean, he's just done. Uh, he's done no wrong. The first few. Uh, I mean, the last three wins. I mean, he's had pretty much two whole trips in each of them, and he's done a great job. Last week, he fended off a couple contenders. Uh, one of them being the boss said coming right at him. Last speech was coming late too. Uh, he's he's leaving out. He's getting position. The last couple of tries. I mean, he's kicking home well. I see no reason um, for me not not single him now. Kamara Moment is a horse that probably does warrant respect in here. He draws the rail. It looks like he's going to pick up McNair uh, this evening. But again, this is just a really, really uh, quirky horse. He's just he's got so much talent, but there's just he's not the soundest animal, and that's the problem. And I mean, last week he didn't get the best trip. He was first up, and he kind of he drew Emmett's buddy into the race. But if he's good enough, he can win. But I'm just not sure. I just know that Backstreet Gambler for sure is going to get a good trip, and I'm just going to you know bank on the fact that. He's got the talent enough to beat this group. I mean, that was a that was a big mile. I know he wasn't on the the engine cutting it, but he was uh, it was an impressive win, and he's just uh, done some good things lately.
0: He's been very good. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I do. We are looking at the proofs here. We're doing this show a little bit early. We're doing this show on Wednesday, so final changes are not out quite yet for Saturday. Make sure that you you check that. And uh, by the time you're looking at it, you're probably going to be able to see those final changes. But Doug McNair is listed on the one Camaro moment, and that would be a driver switch. And Paul Mc- McDonnell had been driving, and I would expect that that could add a lot of speed into this race. And this this horse has shown speed in the past. And you know, if McNair decides to activate early, that's going to make things very interesting in this race. And and these, I'm I'm deeper here. I'm four deep. I think it's it's tougher. I'll use Camara Moment because I feel like like you said the talent is there. I do. I think the driver switch could make this horse more forwardly placed. Uh, I'll use the two. You're the one who basically has had two straight nine holes. Has had uh, just tough setups, tough trips. Uh, did win on December seventeenth at a similar level versus similar horses. If you look back then, that was the boss said he's in this race. <clears throat> Uh, So he's been facing these types. He tries, he needs things to work out, but I feel like at a price, he has a chance, especially moving inside. And I think could get a better setup, and then I'll use the boss set who I liked last week also. just he's just he's He kicks every week. If you look, 27, 27, 27 and 2. He's coming at the end. He just doesn't win very much. One of these times, he, I think he is going to get there, especially at this level. I use those three and Backstreet Gambler. I just don't know that he can get a, that same perfect trip again, but he is going great right now, and he's hard to leave off the ticket. So just a single for John, and uh, 1, 2, three, and 7 for me in race number one. Race two, we got Phillies and mares. Numbers of twelve thousand two hundred. Last five, uh, another I think solid race. No clear favorite here. Who'd you like here, John?
2: You know what? I was gonna. The more I looked at it, I was really strongly considering think, uh singling better be Donna, but I am gonna add um, Ahoya as well, just based just based off the drop. I don't typically love to use horses solely off of a drop, but this is a much softer group than her. I mean, she's when she's returned back to the Ontario circuit, all she's done is faced the Philly and mare preferred groups. Like the the barn dog's watching. Need to breathe. Who's won a back to back start? So this is a softer group. She draws well. Again, McNair is, is listed on this one. Likely does take it due to the fact that Bradley Grant owns uh, Ahoy. So I'm gonna go with Ahoy just based off the drop. She's been, I mean she kicked home well in 27 and three last week. That was a solid effort. Again, she's gonna likely be pointed forward right off the gate with the five hole and better be Donna's effort was was really really impressive last uh, last week. I mean she's just a game racehorse since she always battles and. I mean, that was just, I've never really seen her come off the pace like that in a long, long time. And she was actually uh, flying right at the end of it to pick up the second spot. So I know she's going to be likely put in play early as well due to the post. I'm going to go with 5-6 here. That's the ones I like. There's some other threatening horses, obviously, setting a precedent. She's capable of winning at this level. I mean, she won at this level three starts back. Last week, not really her trip first up, didn't really advance. But I'm just uh, just going to stick with the middle of the gate here, and I'm going to go with Ahoy and Better Be Donna.
0: I do agree on those two. I mean, if you look at Ahoy, like you said, been at the top level, getting checks at the top level. She made 132000 last year. Uh, I, I do believe that McNair will land here again, and this they've been trying at that upper level, so I would expect a, a pretty stiff try here. Better be done as a horse I've always liked, and she's typically up close, but like you said, she came flying from off the pace. That's not really her MO. That tells me that she's sharp. And she did win over 100000 last year. And like you said, she's just always there. I, I think that from this post, she should be up front too. I'll use one more though, and that's the three voluptuous who it has to step up into these, but uh, crushed last week. Did get her trip, but I felt like maybe the front end was sort of iffy last week. It was just okay for me, and she just aired last week with, with Jody. Uh, that's an interesting one. I'm sure if he drives back and he has her involved, I think that she has a puncher's chance depending on how the other two shake out. So I was three, five and six in race number two, the third race, we got non of fourteen thousand six hundred fifty last five on the pace. And these are tough races here. A lot. We got a lot of droppers in here.
2: Uh, what'd you think here? Race number three. Well, I mean, I went back to Armour. I I went to Armour Silster, actually, as uh, one of my picks here. Armour Silster was really good on the 17th. I mean, he left out. He lost to a horse in Cadillac, Brown who took a lot of support that evening. It was even money in a winning effort with James McDonald in the bike. Um, and he was closing well at the end of it. Uh, he draws well again tonight. I mean, last week he left out in position, but nobody had a chance in the American history. The good American history showed up last week. So by virtue of that, nobody in that in that field had a chance to beat him. Um, and in addition to that, I'm going to use Legion Sealster. another horse that came out of the same race. I'm just going to use those two because they came out of races with some really, really big miles. Uh, there's some other horses that can definitely threaten here. I mean, they, they have speed and will likely be in position. I just don't think that they're sharp enough to beat this group. And I, again, Amer- Armour Silster and Legion Sealster aren't obviously like the, like, they're not the most trustworthy animals, but I do trust them in this in this spot I know South Beach Hanover maybe even Second Bruiser can leave out but I do think that they are probably the most reliable in this field and I do think that they're they're capable of, to get good trips and get it done.
0: Yeah, a lot of, like you said, a lot of untrustworthy horses in this race and and they have some question marks. I mean, South Beach Hanover hasn't been seen since December 17th and you know, uh, likes to go the front but has missed quite a bit of time, has basically missed a month now, especially with that cancellation and things. I mean, that affected this horse. You have second bruiser who's capable at upper levels, but faltered last time. Ton of speed in this race. I agree completely on Armor Sealster. Definitely the one to beat. Going to be a top pick. I really had no chance in his last and still closed up to be third there. This horse is going to kick, and he's going to get pace to chase. It's just a matter of does, does Jody motivate him and get him into the flow. I'm going to use another one, though, and that's the one rocking and talking. We talked to Tyler about this horse a little bit. I love that race December 10th. I thought that was a great effort. Stepped in, was second to Woodmere Steel Deal, who definitely would be very well-backed in this kind of race. And then no chance in that upper level the so last two, gets points north. I mean, this horse was bet to, under 5-1 to one on December 31st. So that shows you that that this horse has the class to, to compete at this level. I feel like he 10 he he could get a trip here from the inside because he's gonna probably have to sit and and maybe get that stalkers type trip. He has a puncher's chance for me, and I think he's gonna be a price. So one four in race number three for me. Race number four now uh, numbers of thirty thousand. Here's another upper level pace, and there's hundred claimers also. Uh, I was too deep in here. Who do you like here?
2: I'm going three deep. I'm going to go one, two, and four. I'm going to use uh, points north. I uh, don't love the rail drop, but this was a horse that I've, I've never seen him close as well as he did last time. He was actually gaining on the end of it against a tough group. Came home in 26 and four. He was really, really picking up, making up ground um, late in that mile against a preferred company, against really a really, really tough group. And now he faces slightly easier here. Again, American history coming off that big mile. I don't love the inside draw for this horse. I just think it's a bit too tight for him. But the thing is, is, He's just so he's such an enigma that you don't know which one's gonna show up. He is making a step up, but the the good version of American history can obviously beat this group, and I'm gonna use him just by virtue of that. And then Woodmere Steel Deal, I'm gonna use as well. Again, was flying on the end of it too, back at the preferred level, just to miss out by a neck. He kind of got some a bit of traffic trouble. He was in between a few. He got he had a little bit of of room to kind of pace in there, but he was fifth, beating a length and three quarters is capable of beating this group as well draws well and you know that he's going to have a he's likely going to get a good trip so and if american history is at the front and somehow finds his way there you know there's going to be speed to chase because you know he's going to be going fast miles. so i'm going to use points north i'm going to use american history i'm going to use woodmere steel deal as well in the event that there is going to be some speed to chase and he can pick them off late
0: yeah i would say that there's definitely going to be speed in this race right especially if american history the the um the version that that Likes to go and set those big panels just kind of like he did last time. I mean, that third quarter was huge. uh, and He was had a six-length lead and basically cruised to the wire in a fast race. But he's tend to beating some of the lower levels now. At the top level, he's not quite what he is versus he can't really strut his stuff the same way. Uh, I'm going to use – I'm going to go points north uh, on my ticket. I I agree with you. Uh, Again, another horse that likes to be out front, likes to dictate, likes to kind of – you know, boss a field whenever he is good. But look, last time he shows up, kicks 26 and four versus the top horses on the grounds. He's really sharp right now. And I think that he has to be used. He could get ignored on the board and we kind of know what we're going to get with him. If he's going to try, you're, you're going to get a horse that has a big chance at a price. And then I'm going to try the three codenamed Box, who was at this top level not that long ago, is a closer, is a closer, Uh, got back right on December 31st. That was an easy bunch for him. He crushed that race. Really, uh, there was no danger of him losing whatsoever. And then stepped up versus these types last time and was a decent third. Kicked 27-2, and uh, had to come from off of it. I think coming from off of it is going to be a good thing in this race because you have the points north, the American histories, uh, some of these other sailboat handovers that might decide to leave. Cadillac Bioma probably has to leave from where he's at on the gate. So, He's going to get a setup. I want a closer. Give me that one. Codename Cigar Box there. So I'm 1-3 in race number four.
2: Yeah, I like that one, actually. I actually like that one. Sorry to interrupt, Mike, but I do like that one as uh, as well a little bit. Now coming to think of it, he was was stalled a bit because Island Special Major actually pulled at, uh, I think it was 58 or 60 to 1, and he kind of stalled his cover a little bit. So he kind of really had no chance to get into it. I'm not sure they beat No Free Lunch anyways, but he definitely wasn't going to come close to it when Island Special Major pulls first up, uh, pulls out of the hole, and then it goes nowhere. And Codename Garbox was right behind him, and then just that's it. He had no chance from then on. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised he's beaten this caliber of group before. It wouldn't shock me if he won. I just left him off. um, And maybe come Saturday I will use him, or maybe by the end of this podcast maybe I'll decide to throw him in. All right, so race number five. This is the pop-up.
0: This is how we're going to get paid here. Uh, third leg starters of ten thousand or less, the last four starts, and uh, this is the third leg of these pop up series. They kind of you know write these races and for these horses that kind of need a place to race. And uh, Beachy Lindy has been crushing this uh, this level in its last couple. Uh, what
2: say you here in race number
0: five?
2: Yeah, Beachy Lindy's been crushing. I mean, uh, he's done no wrong, but I'm going to go three deep. I'm going to use Beachy Lindy just because, like you said, he's been dominating. He seemed to figure it out. The drifting issue still. Or something. I'm not sure if it means anything. But again, when you got horses that are going to be able to kick home pretty quick, and there's a couple in here, that drifting might cost him because there's a horse that's going to come up in the inside and might be able to pace home faster and straighter than, than he will. And it might cost him a victory. So far, it hasn't. But again, this is a tougher group than he's faced last time. I'm going to use Dr. Joe as well. Uh, another one that just had dead cover. I mean, he's been, he's been racing real well at Rideau. Real, real, real well. And on New Year's Eve, he kicked home from, uh, from way back to to beat them at a good price. And then last week he just got, he had no chance, dead cover by the end of it. I mean, he just was way too far back, but he kicked home in 26 flat. That was a really, really big final quarter. So this horse is starting to figure it out. And I am going to use clever character. That was a really big effort, broken head pole and all. Still was able to to kick home in 26 and two and get the job done, uh, you know, as the choice last week. So I'm going to go three deep. I I know all these, all three of these are racing real well. So I'm, I'm going to go use all three of those. I'm
0: going to use one different one. I agree on, I mean, Beach Lindy, I think, is a must use. Uh, there's just really no way to get around him. It's not like that. there's any holes and he's going to get another setup. He's just looked best so far in this series. I liked how clever character race, despite the trouble, despite any, every reason to really not win that race, still came 26-2 and two as the favorite, had been racing versus preferreds at London, at Flamborough. Those are the top levels there. Uh, this horse I thought really liked the big track and I I don't want to be without him on this ticket. I'm going to use one more though. And that's the one night watchman who has proven at upper levels. And I feel like that he fits this pop-up series pretty well. Now he hasn't raced so far in the series, but you're getting the big track, which we know that he's won here in the past. Uh, You're getting a different driver here. So I, I feel like that he has a chance to make some noise here, the inside post bothers me a little bit, but he tends to be a stalker anyway. He just needs some flow. He's gonna be a price in the race, so I'm one three eight to finish. Uh, well, let's let's
2: cop our tickets here. And uh, Johnny, I'll let you go. Go ahead first. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with the seven in the first, and the second I'm gonna go five six. Third race I'm gonna go two four. Fourth race I'm gonna go one two and four, and the fifth race I'm gonna go three five and eight so i believe that's thirty six dollars for a dollar and for 20 cents that is i believe uh, yeah no 720 sorry 720
0: right 720 for 20 cents and mine is actually double that um I'm one, two, three, seven with three, five, six, with one, four, with one, three, with one, three, eight, and it's fourteen forty for twenty cents, seventy-two for a buck. I, I really feel like that uh this is a pick five that can definitely pay well. There's no real clear-cut favorite to lean on, I don't think, anywhere in the sequence. Even Backstreet Gambler, I think, will probably be roughly around two to one in that first race. And Beach and Lindy probably will be eight to five or so in that fourth race in the fifth race, but even still, there's lots of different ways you can go here. Uh, this early pick five, I think, is going to, to pay decent. It's definitely worth looking at here on Saturday night. Now, we have one more race to look at, and that is the preferred, and that is race number nine, uh, and that's $34,000 pace. Now, it's a short field, but it's a good field, and uh, you got your, your typical subjects here. So much more. Wheels on fire, and a horse that you've been onto recently, the three Brook victor.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean. Mister B actually touched on it um, on your pa- on your podcast when he uh, on this podcast when he came on a few times. Uh, I think a few a couple of weeks ago, and I bet him on December third. I bet him on December tenth, and he was really good in both those efforts. He just was stuck on on the inside. I mean, he had a pro- he had a chance to pull on December third. He could have sat behind Carbine, and he would have had a great shot. That's when Cintra ended up squeezing on through the inside to win. He had a really really good shot to win that race. Had he pulled on the right line and and given this horse a lane i'm not sure what happened there and then the next week it was it was a tougher bunch because so much more and the wheels on fires i believe um entered the field and then his price was elevated wasn't a given shot again he was had lots of pacing between horses and then everything changed on the 17th of december he drew well he dropped in that non-winners of 18,000 class and he made three moves in a winning effort came home in 27 flat i went 149 and two that that night and that's when literally everything changed for him. He's been aggressive and forwardly placed off the gate. Sorry has has gotten this guy and it's just everything's clicked for him. He got a trip on the thirty first, kind of converted off a pocket trip. He came up the inside to squeak by and win. That effort was probably the only time where he got a an absolute like perfect trip it was January 7th again he was used up twice uh, sorry last week he was used up twice before a half and 54 and four and he earned it so much more had a little bit of gap cover I mean sometimes Samar was coming first up and so much more might have been better off going first over I'm not sure that would have even mattered I saw, thought Salzburg Victor has been ready to go he's the now horse in this field I mean so much more is the favorite and you have wheels on fire returning but he's been off uh he's been off a, a month coming to the start he's been a six scratch uh on this on New Year's Eve and Again, this is a field where there's just not too much speed on the outside. Maybe Cinch going to lead forward from the gate. I don't know if Fields on Fire is going to push up from the tool. Salzburg Victor is going to leave from the three all again. He's got a good post to work with. He's going to get in position, and I have no reason to side against him tonight. Again, I'm just going to keep sticking with him because, like I said, he's the now horse. I have to
0: agree. I uh, I was uh, I actually had him. I bet him on that December seventeenth. He was he was a nice little addition to some late late race multis in that race because he was higher on the morning line, if I recall, in that in that spot. Uh, but last week was very impressive. I mean, that twenty six and one, fifty four and four. I had keyed so much more in my tickets, and I'm thinking, okay, there's no way that this horse is going to continue off those fractions, and he somehow found a way, especially when closers had done well most of the night. And he just, he, he was good in the wire. She was never going to buy him. I mean, he was, he was always going to win that race. Uh, so it's interesting here now though, th- does he try the same tactics? Does he hit the front again? Does he go early and just say, okay, you guys are going to have to beat me. I have, like you said, the now horse, uh, or does he sit like he kind of once did. And, and that will change things quite a bit. I, I feel like wheels on fire off the, the bench maybe won't be nearly as aggressive uh, was driven aggressively last week, but not quite sure who we're going to get to drive. If Amax back, he tends to be aggressive and no free lunch. I thought raced really well last week off the drop. Now, what sort of trip does, does that horse get this week? So I think there's a lot of question marks here. Uh, so Salzburg Victor, wow. will likely be favored may not be this horse will be three to five in this race. I mean, other horses will take action, I think. And, um, I, I agree with you though. That last week was very, very, very impressive, and they have to beat him.
2: Yeah, and he's going to, like I said, he just draws well, and just by virtue of that, hes I think he's going to do the same thing that he did last week. He's going to either be sitting first, or he's going to be sitting in the tool because – so much more has got the rail, and obviously with Salzburg Victor drawing the three, he's going to have the advantage to to kind of push out and, and leave out of there. The only other horse I can really forecast uh, leaving again, I think Citro is going to be aggressive just because of the post as well. I and he's been leaving from the from he's been leaving every week. I don't I don't think that's not going to be the case again um, this week to try and get position and Mules on fire with the inside again. I'm just not sure he's such a such a big horse. I'm just not sure if that. Two-hole is going to allow him to kind of force out there and push out. Again, Salzburg-Victor, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it's working. He's got no reason to take back. I mean, it just, it's really hard to pace. These are such quality horses. It's really hard to kind of to gain ground on them because they're all capable of pacing home in 26-27. So it's really hard to kind of, uh, you know, stalk from behind unless it gets really, really crazy. So you want to be in the front and control things and be in a good spot. And uh, and that's what Salzburg-Victor has been doing. And that's what Sorry should continue to do.
0: I would agree. All right. So just one thing real quick, we're going to wrap soon here. Uh, but I mean, uh, we, we talk offline quite a bit and um, you know, I, we don't talk enough betting. I don't think on these pods as much as I would like to. And it seems to me like just, I like to learn from you guys, especially you and Ryan and things. And, and, and you guys tend to play when you're playing Maltese, you're playing, you're playing hard, especially if you like a couple horses, you're trying to hammer that sequence. You're trying to Play it for a ten dollar pick four, a twenty dollar pick four, and, and 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 talk about stuff like that. Talk about how you you try to like kill shot a pick four or pick three.
2: Well, I actually saw some other betters doing it, and I was, you know, I used to, for example, it, it all started when I used to start playing. The first time I ever played pick four is actually first time I ever played a pick four. I spent twelve dollars on a dollar ticket, and I think my return was about forty three hundred. It was when Surf Report was thirty to one. I don't remember. I was really, I was much younger. I was probably maybe several years ago. But he won, I believe, from the rail, and that's kind of what triggered my uh, multi leg wagering. And I said, "Wow, this is really where, like, you know, the money's at." I mean, it's just a good pool. I was strictly a win and exactor better. That's that's strictly what I was when I first started, and it and it was working. But then I just fell in love with the Maltese, and then I started playing. Uh, after that, I was playing win for, pick fours a lot. The pick fives, I, I started playing late. And when I was winning a couple pick fours, I was spending X amount. I was always playing for a dollar based. I never played for twenty cents. Um, again, it for it differs for people based on bankroll and whatnot. But uh, I just started playing them, and then I noticed my ace selections were winning quite often for stretch. And I was saying to myself, "Why am I only getting this for a dollar? And why can't I get it for more?" And that's when you could kind of start playing different tickets. Now, there's sometimes where I try to be a little too perfect. Um, as you can see, but there's times where I, I see a sequence and I say, all right, there's two singles here. And then again, my goal is to handicap a sequence, like some of these, like many people do, right? Like I don't use the all button, uh, rarely, if not ever, I'm trying to handicap the sequence. If I don't, if I'm using four or five horses in a race, I will, I don't always use the favorite because again, I'm, if I don't like the favorite, I'm using five horse. It means I don't like him. So I don't want him there anyways. Right. So, um, I mean that's just that's the way I go I started realizing my A-, A selections were winning and I said I can try and maximize the return by pressing it for more right um I mean like uh, I mean you've seen some of my tickets and sometimes it uh, works out and sometimes it burns me because sometimes it's horses that I love and I'll leave out another legit contender and maybe I probably should have used them and sometimes it does burn me but sometimes it you know what I I'm able to get the most out of the return and I'm uh, pleased with it again I'm really stubborn in my handicapping sometimes i'm i tried sometimes i try to be perfect and and horse racing you don't need to be perfect that's that's the beauty of this game like your horses don't need to win necessarily all the time to make money Uh, again that just goes to show from betting and how people are are quality betters i'm not there yet but um i mean i'm I'm doing okay on the multi-leg wagerings and again i try to play tickets tickets for a cheap base and try to build off of it again it's all about maximizing your return. Uh, you don't want to spend, I don't want to spend expense. uh, play expensive tickets when I know the return is not going to be worth it. Right. Cause there's sometimes where you'll single a horse that's three to one. And then you end up playing, you spend 90 bucks on a pick five ticket and then you get back 160. You could have made more betting 90 to win on that three to one single that you had. Right. So again, it's mostly, I just want to maximize on, on my return. If I love a sequence, which you've seen me do on a few occasions and yeah, that's what I try to do.
0: Wow. Well uh, like you said, it's about maximizing your opinion and and some sequences lend themselves to maybe going a little deeper and saying, okay, I love, you know, you, you love the, uh, you know, the horse in the first race, that's 10 to one. Well, you, you want to hit that pick five, especially if that horse wins. So maybe you do go a little deeper, but you tend to, to press your opinion and that works when it does work. You're making some, some big caches and, and, uh, you're catching that, that pick for that. It might pay a hundred dollars, but if you have it 12 times, you have it you know for $1,200 on maybe uh, a, uh, you know, a $24 ticket. So that's the kind of stuff that when you can maximize your opinion, and I think it's worth playing some tickets that way. And, and I'm trying to lend myself more to getting out of that, you know, playing those 20 cent tickets and playing the, I mean, maybe not necessarily 20 cent tickets, but lower denominations and moving up and skipping some sequences that I'm like, you know what? I can't get this. I can't find this. I, I don't think that I can do it because generally my opinion's pretty good. And sometimes you, you have to, and you might get burned. Like you, oh, oh, I did like the horse, that, the, the third choice that I didn't use in my tickets, and, and it blew my ticket up. Well, you're going to have to accept that for the same way that when you do cash and when your opinion is very good, that you're going to have it 10 times, 15 times, 20 times. So that's the kind of the rub there. And do you want to cash more tickets or do you want to cash bigger tickets because you're leaning on your opinions?
2: Yeah. I think you just want to do whatever works for you, but you also want to do whatever is going to work long-term. Like there's sometimes I get burned by leaving out certain short priced horses and, um, and the sequence does pay maybe a a bit better than I thought, but like, I don't like the horse. I can't really fault myself. My, my dad always jokes with me saying that I'm more likely to get burned by a three to five shot than a 15 to one shot in a pick five sequence. Well, it's because sometimes just favorites that just aren't worth using in my opinion. I don't want to waste I just don't want to waste equity. I don't want to u- I don't wanna use them because I don't like them. Period. And I think you made a valid point though. There are times obviously like if I do like a horse that is gonna be like a really, really big price in a sequence, I am gonna I am gonna spread more because I, I wanna make sure I, I get it, right? I mean I don't need to I don't need to get it X amount of times. Uh, there's no need for that because you just wanna try and get especially if, if I'm singling a horse that's I know is gonna be fifteen to twenty to one and it wins you best believe I want to try and get it because it's going to knock out a bunch of the pool and I'm I'm going to be alive for a payday no matter what comes in the rest of the sequence. Right. So that's uh, of course you, you're, I am, it, it's all situational. And of course I'm going to maybe use horses at times defensively in that case, only because I know that I'm taking a stand on such a big price that's going to wipe out a good percentage of the pool.
0: And I think like with bigger pools, you can do certain things like that. But if you're playing at smaller tracks and sometimes we do, Sometimes you're playing at Flamborough where there might be 7,000 in that pick 4 pool. Well, it doesn't do you any good necessarily unless you're playing favorites to have a $20 pick 4 whenever there's only two tickets that were printed, or, you know, that that basically you're going to cripple it. You're you're you might have a $20 ticket but you know maybe one other person has it and you have the other 20 tickets. So it's it's kind of you have to kind of gauge that too. I think uh, it, it, with pool size and how you're playing, if you're playing $20 pick fours at Flamborough in a $7,000 pool with two 8-to-1 shots, you're you're not doing it. The, I don't think that that's the correct way to do it, honestly. I, I feel like that you'd be better off with a smaller denomination because you're going to get most of the pool anyway if those couple horses win. That's just that's just how I feel about it. But when you're playing a Mohawk and a Meadowlands, when you're playing into $100,000 pools, completely different ballgame.
2: Yep. Great.
0: Okay, so we're going to wrap. Uh, this was uh, Saturday's Mohawk, January 14th. Awesome interview with Tyler Jones. Uh, check out this Pick 5. Go to Nahupix.com. Johnny's been doing the Meadowlands for us, and he's doing a fantastic job. His write-up's Friday, Saturday. we got some Sundays coming in January, so keep an eye out for that, and hopefully our Meadowlands pod comes back really soon. Uh, I have Woodbine Mohawk. I do some stuff for Ontario Racing. Uh, Right now we got Meadows going through the week with Kevin. He's doing a really good job there. So uh, we have Western Fair. Rod has Western Fair. And we have Century Downs also. So check out all those tracks. Go to Nahu every day. We always got something for you. We'll catch you next time. uh, First over without Edison Hatter. Be back next week.